We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com BE. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I'm launching a new website, transformativeprinciple.com. You can go there to learn about and join the mastermind. And also, you can go there to learn how to get positive press for your school. What's better than you telling your story all the time? Getting other credible third parties to tell your story for you. Go to transformativeprinciple.com. Once again, that's transformativeprinciple.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am excited to have two great leaders on the podcast today. Dr. Joseph Jones is the superintendent of Newcastle County Vocational Technical School District. He has a passion to provide all students with incredible and valuable learning experiences. Dr. TJ Vary is the assistant superintendent of secondary schools and district operations in the Apoquinimic School District. And Dr. Vary is experienced school administrator and adjunct faculty who has been working for a long time in schools and higher education. Gentlemen, welcome to Transformative Principal. Thanks for having us, Jethro. We're thrilled to be on the show. Well, Thank I'm excited. You. I'm sorry to step on you. I know we talked about not stepping on each other, but you know, sometimes I still do it. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, thankful to have you both here. Thanks for your time. And um, I've had you on the podcast before. You guys run the Schoolhouse 302, and you are out with a new book called... Uh, Retention for a Change, Motivate, Inspire, and Energize that you wrote with Salome Thomas L. as well. And uh, excited to have you here talking about that. So let's start just by talking about what is retention for a change. I think of retention as, um, you know, you're holding on to something 
just because you can, not necessarily because it's what you want or because it's the right thing. And it's, uh, you know, we talk about retaining teachers. It's kind of like we're retaining water. It's not always the best thing for us, but it seems like it's kind of like not, not the most exciting topic in the world. So tell me about what your perspective is on this. Yeah, it might not be the most exciting topic of the world, but we try to make it that way. Um, I'll say the retention for a change piece, the title comes from the fact that culture is what retains teachers. Uh, and so there are strategies to build culture. And so culture has been this, you know, school culture is the king. Everybody knows that, but it's sometimes elusive. And mm-hmm. so when you have the right culture and you use the right retention strategies, not only does it retain teachers, but it changes your school. So you use retention for a change. So we really believe this is a culture book. Um, and if you want to motivate, inspire, and energize your staff, we've got technical tips and everything else involved in making that happen. But it really is a culture book because people don't want to stay at a workplace that isn't motivational, inspirational, and energizing. Well, yeah. And the other piece to that is that when things aren't going well, you can't always just go out and get new people because one, there's a shortage of teachers and two, then you got to teach them everything from the very beginning. And in certain ways, it's a lot easier to keep them rather than to go out and find new people. Go ahead, Joe. I was going to just add to that, Jethro. You're absolutely right. We, TJ and I tried to dig into the research on this quite a bit, and that's something Linda Darling Hammond states up front in her research that recruitment is effective but the best strategy is keeping those that are in the system. Because when we're talking about retaining teachers, they're not necessarily leaving the profession. Granted, some are, and especially those within those first five years. So the book digs into how we can support those teachers. But we also want to prevent teachers from just jumping ship from one school to the next. So retention is critical, not only for those zero to five, but then also some of those that are not going to leave the profession, but those who might think that the grass is greener. Yeah. And because you two are at superintendent level, you have a different perspective on this than a principal might, because you can see how it impacts more than just a principal's individual school. So can you talk a little bit about how your perspective is different as a, a superintendent level rather than a principal level? Yeah, I would say from my perspective, you know, we're looking at the whole district, which is certainly a little different because, you know, we look at our season and this goes back to our book on building a winning team. But you want to think of hiring not as just a seasonal occurrence in spring and through the summer. Really, there's a before, during and after. And really, hiring is a full time Um, job. So right now, even though we may be after the hiring season um, of actually putting teachers in classrooms, you know, right now we're thinking, okay, well, how am I cultivating our story of our district that really starts to bring about, you know, a level of awareness for one of these teachers? Have I made connections with higher eds to attract student teachers? So like that's a, a different lens that I think we take at um, the district level. Another thing that I'm always thinking about is investment. 
is if I lose someone that we've made a 5, 10, 15 year investment in, I look at that as a dollar and cents um, issue. So is if I'm going to be a good steward of taxpayers' dollar, dollars, I have to do everything it takes to keep those teachers. We've invested in them and the community is looking to us to create schools that their kids can really learn and grow in. So I look at it as really a personal investment that we're making as a district within our teachers. And then if they leave, if they leave the profession, that's a real loss. But even if they go to another district, um, I look at it as that we've just lost a lot of money that we put into an event individual. So I would say those are probably two of the, the significant differences that I look at hiring as a full year job. It just takes on different um, aspects in different seasons. And then I look at it as dollar and cents as being a good steward of the community and taxpayers' dollars. And the only thing I'll add to that from a district office perspective is that when I watch, and I agree with everything Joe just said in terms of the investment, but I'm, when I watch principals who do this stuff well, they typically have three things at the top of their mind. Um, the first is that they are the they delegate management. And so they they know management's important and they don't leave that. Everybody talks about leadership, leadership, and and management gets a bad rap. They delegate the management, they do it well. The second is that they're the chief learning officer. They're almost curriculum directors of their school. And the third is that they're a human resource director. They don't leave the human resource side of things, telling the school story, getting out there and recruiting, being on LinkedIn. They don't leave that to the human resource department. They do it themselves. And so if they get those three things right, I think they've done well in terms of building culture. We could say more about what great principals do, obviously, but when their brains are focused on those three things, the third being human resources, we're retaining teachers and we have a great culture to do it in. Yeah. So one last question about the district level view, and then we'll get down to specific uh, strategies here. Do you see retention at the district level as important or more important than retention at the school level? So for example, to clarify that question, let's say you have a teacher who is at a school in your district and they're a great teacher, but they're not able to flourish in that school. Um, obviously that's still a win if you can keep them, it, but put them in a different school within the district where they're going to be successful. But does that go the other way also where somebody who's not a great teacher, but still you want to retain them and, and find ways to help them grow? How do you view those kinds of situations within the district between schools? Yeah, that's a great question, Jethro. You got to always ask yourself in these positions, what's best for kids? And so if it, you've really come to a crossroads and that individual can flourish in a different environment. And, you know, we, we heard this from Ted Fujimoto in an interview we did a while ago, um, but it was great analogy about freshwater fish can survive um, in a saltwater tank. And so is the environment just not the right environment? So if you can conclude, yes, and this person would flourish here, Great. Make the move. You know, not everything is designed for the individual. However, if you have decided this individual just really isn't meant to teach students for whatever reason, it's just not going to work out. Then you have to have the courage also knowing that we're in a teacher shortage. 
to say, you know what, this isn't the best fit. It's not the best, you know, it's not best for our students, which is always tough to do. Um, but I think it takes a, a keen leader to really start to get to know their teachers, connect with them, work with them, really make those investments. And a lot of times, if it isn't the right fit, the teachers will come to that conclusion themselves. Yeah, I agree with I agree with Joe on all those points. I mean, as a big district, I mean, a medium size, I would say uh, nationally, but pretty large here in Delaware. We just have to make sure that our leaders are communicating about the strengths and weakness of the people on their team. What you don't want is, you know, trading cards and people, you know, moving all around for willy nilly. We need to know who the players are and where they fit on on the team. And sometimes it means that it'd be a better fit at another school. Um, sometimes it means that we need to offboard somebody. And sometimes it needs means we need to invest a little bit more in them to get them to where they need to be. But the last thing we want to do is be trading people from school to school and not knowing what we're getting and what the strengths and weaknesses are of the people. Yeah, my second year being an administrator, we had a teacher who just was not going to be successful in our school. And we knew it. I mean, it was clear from her very first day. It just wasn't going to work out. She didn't get the culture. She didn't get how we did things. And she stuck out like a sore thumb. And then the kids just totally took advantage of the fact that she was not like the rest of her teachers. And it was so fascinating to see how she, when we would do evaluate our observations leading to her evaluation, she did all the right things that a teacher needs to do but she just wasn't able to ever really connect with our students. And I eventually said to her, look, you have the potential to be a great teacher, but not here. And that's okay. There's like, there's no harm. I don't, I don't dislike you or anything like that, but are you happy in this environment? And she said, no, I, you guys do all these extracurricular things. And I don't really like that. I just want to come and teach and then go home and, and take care of the kids that I'm working with. And I don't want to do this, this extra stuff. And I said, well, look, go find a school where that can, you can do that and, and you'll be fine. And sure enough, she did go find another job and became a great teacher at that school. And, you know, this is over a decade now at this point, but the, the value was recognizing that we could have kept her in our environment and tried to force her to change, but she, I don't think ever would have been happy with the way that we were running things. And it was great for her to have that opportunity to go spread her wings and go someplace else. Um, I want to dive a little bit deep into a topic of uh, motivation and praising teachers. And if you guys can uh, set up how you how you view that and what that looks like, we can have a discussion about that. Sure, I can hit that first this time. I mean, I think, so when we've done the research on on motivation, there are some very practical things that happen within an environment that people gravitate towards, they like, they feel, um, that makes them want to stay. And so a natural human, um, emotion, uh, a natural human desire, one that I think we have in our teachers and that Joe and I write about this concept of a learning culture. We started writing about that in our passionate leadership book. We write it about on our blog, but in a learning culture where everyone desires to grow, we need to feed that and we need to do an inventory of how people want to grow. So we talk about motivating people. One motivational factor is to make sure we understand how people want to grow, make sure we do an inventory on how people need to grow, and then find those experiences for them to do that. A, big, a topic that we love 
um, a concept that's coming out more in education. In business, we call it subject matter experts. In education, it's kind of leaning more towards micro-credentialing or areas of distinction. But as much as a principal can invest in people, like Joe was talking about earlier, but in specific areas where they can then use that credential to then add value back to the school, say it's a social and emotional credential, um, some badge that they can get um, of a technology that they've learned. Those types of things, people really love that. And when everybody's kind of doing that, it creates a, a wonderful culture to work in. We're all growing. We're all feeding what we need and our desire to be better. Um, we're getting that that indication or, or that significance through a badge, um, that identification that makes us feel like we have purpose. And voila, we have people who want to continue to work for us and continue to earn those badges. John Cat Educational supports high-quality teaching and learning by providing publications that are research-based, practical, and focused on the key topics proven essential in today's and tomorrow's schools. The latest John Cat publications include a book whose bold, transformative ideas amaze and infuriate people around the world, according to one reviewer, a title from Global Leaders in Curriculum Planning, Practice, and Retrieval, one book that says stop talking and start doing with regard to teacher well-being, and much more. These books, used by educators of all roles across North America and worldwide, amplify fresh, engaging voices with practical strategies to create transformative change. Learn more in our show notes at jethrojones.com slash podcast. Well, and to that point also, it, it makes it so that people are able to go deeper into their passion areas. So, you know, if you have no interest in learning new technology, then getting a badge is going to be an annoying thing for that specific piece of technology. But if you have a passion in the Socratic method and you can get a badge for the Socratic method and then use that badge to give you a status to where you can help other people experience that, I mean, you're going to be much more likely to enjoy that experience. Anything to add there, Joe? Yeah, I think what you just said, Jethro, is spot on. Too often in education, and, and you know, we're not opposed to higher ed. TJ and I both adjunct at different universities. We're big believers in it. But, you know, there's only a couple ways in education, you know, gather um, credentials. And the primary way is through higher ed. So you get a master's degree, then you may even go into your doctorate, or you just get plus credits. And a lot of it's tied to pay. And not that that's wrong, but, you know, TJ and I do see a world in which, you know, maybe micro-credentialing can be vetted maybe by state agencies and then count as credit bearing or similar to, because you get to the point that if you work in a school district that is sophisticated enough that you want to run your own professional development, you have things that are very, um, you know, really uh, a part of your school culture, your district culture that you want to push, you know, then why not do that internally? So I think that's where the micro-credentialing starts to hone in. Um, but then it can also maybe, you know, ways broaden 
the way our, our teachers and other, other um, educators learn and not be so tethered to the higher ed world. Again, it's, it's not a negative at all. It serves a great purpose. But I think when you get into elements of uh, sophistication within any district, if they have the capacity to run that, that could be a powerful way to grow teacher skills in very specific ways. Yeah, several years ago, I was part of a district that had what we called HYPE certification, which was High Yielding Practices for Educators. And it was this extra course that teachers could take that was only within our district. And we said from the outset, we're going to pay you a stipend to attend this, but you're not going to get a state level endorsement on this. But if you want to be a great teacher, these are the courses you need to take from us within our own school district. And it was really powerful. And the work they did there was was just awesome. Go ahead, TJ. Just want to say to any principal or assistant principal listening that there's two inventories that you should do annually with your teaching staff. You got to ask the question how they want to grow in what area of distinction would they like to learn more? That's where we get them a conference. We get them a course. We get a certificate. We get a badge. When people feel like you care to invest in them, they care to invest back in the environment. We got to know the answer to that question. And we got to know the answer. And I think it's to your point, Jethro, about the extracurricular activities. We got to know what passions people have that they might bring to work outside of their content area expertise. So do they play guitar? And would they like to run a guitar thing after school for kids? We got to know the answer to those two questions. And we ought to ask every year. Well, and I'd push you one further and ask, how can you get teachers to be able to do those passion projects as part of the school day so that everybody gets a chance to participate in them as well? And that was what we did at my school in Fairbanks, that every teacher had something that was happening during the school day that was something they wanted to. And so kids learned how to do uh, Native Alaskan bead making, and it was an incredible thing where they could go learn how to do it. And this math teacher was just like a total nerd about it. And just loved doing it. And that's how she spent her weekends. And sure enough, she brought them in and then kids were doing it. And then when you have those times where teachers want to be doing something and kids want to be doing something and they're together, then great, positive, healthy relationships happen because they connect on a different level. And those teachers can then have conversations with those kids that we could never have otherwise, especially when it comes to behavior management and change of helping those kids see where they're making bad choices and help them go back and make better choices and totally empowers the teachers, totally empowers the students and really creates a win-win-win situation for everybody involved. So let me ask you another question. You talk about doing these inventories and the reality is, is everybody is in charge of their own professional development, whether the district's providing it or not, you are responsible for your own learning. I believe that is true for kids as well, that they're responsible for their own learning. And we can do all we can to set them up for success. But even if they sometimes attend the training, the teachers still don't get anything out of it. And so that's where I think it's really important that you mentioned that you need to know what they want to grow in, but then also do the inventory about what they need to grow in as well. So how are ways that you in a system are able to serve everybody so that it's not a burden to the leader who has to organize everything for everybody? Joe, do you want to hit that? Yeah, I think um, TJ and I have talked about this um, a few times, and you know, I think we would think we could liken it to differentiated instruction and differentiated PD. So, you know, that's a lot easier said than done. 
I think it goes back to knowing people need what they want. Um, but I'll spend a second on that need, Jethro. What we don't necessarily do a great job with is a sure, complete alignment with everything we're focused on. So if, if schools were to take inventories and districts were to take inventory of their strategic plan, and if it is a truly living strategic plan, what's the alignment with the PLCs, other opportunities, professional learning throughout the, the weeks, the months, and the year? And how is it directly aligned um, to the overall strategic plan of the school or district? And you should be able to inventory that. Once that's inventoried, we can tier it no different than we do with lessons. And if we expect our teachers to do it, then we should expect administrators to do that. So, you know, that teacher who uh, maybe doesn't want to get too technical, okay, I can live with that. But if we expect our teachers to all use an LMS, then we all need to be proficient with that LMS. Yeah, maybe they don't want to use um, some of the, the fancier technology, but if formative assessments are a key way for us to check for understanding in our classrooms, then we need to do professional learning on check for understanding. So maybe there's a basic understanding on what check for understanding is, and then there's um, layered ways in which you can do that with more um, technology. So I think differentiating the PD and getting in depth on certain topics is key. The other thing outside of that, I would also um, say is this should be done in like a catalog fashion in which people can subscribe to what they want to do. And that should build from year to year to year. I think the reason teachers get frustrated, if they're in year 20 and they're taking PD or they say, oh, we did this 18 years ago. You know, I, this is my 25th year. I just wrapped up my 25th year in education. I can say that for a lot of stuff. I get it. However, that's a lot with life. You know, a lot of what we got to do is what works, stick with what works, but then use new information to make it better. And that's where we can get you. So if you know what you've done last year in PD, the year before and the year before, that fourth year should look different or build on. Um, and TJ can dig into this more, but we should always be thinking of onboarding and developing. So how are we onboarding our new staff and catching them up? And then those that have been a part of our staff for a while, how are we further developing them? And you have to have multiple lanes in a highway like that for it to be effective. Yeah. And TJ, I'll let you talk in just a second, but I want to address that piece of having it be a catalog that there are certain things that need to be at a base proficiency and everybody needs to be good at that. But beyond that, a lot of it doesn't really matter to the rest of the district as a whole. What matters is you getting better at what you personally need to get better at. And so, you know, getting the same training, like, you know, we can joke about bloodborne pathogens, for example. We do that training every year and it's ridiculous every single time. We know what to do if there's blood involved and we don't need to spend another training doing anything with it. But it's one of those safety things that you have to be compliant with and you have to do something with it every year. But, you know, that's a base level. But a nurse is going to have a different level of training for that than a regular teacher would. And again, that's okay. Um, the shop teacher should probably have 
a little bit more focused training on something related to that because of the accidents that could happen and certainly should have more training on safety to ensure that they, one, are safe themselves and two, teaching the kids to be safe. So TJ, what would you add? No, I would just add that that catalog has to be alive and well, and we need to meet with the teachers. So once we do with the inventory, we can sit knee to knee with people and we say, okay, well, how are we going to make this happen for you? Then we know from year to year, like Joe said, we have the name of the teacher, we have the year, and we have a spreadsheet that says this teacher wanted to grow in this area, and this is what we did to make that happen. And then the next year, and the next year, and the next year. And then you're not offering the canned PD to people because they're all on a different trajectory. Of course, you're still going to need to do whole staff trainings on things that are coming down that not that everybody doesn't know about all at once, but... You know, you can build that plan, that PD plan over years in a spreadsheet for teachers. And the simple question to say, look, it sounds like you want to be an SEL expert here for our school, social and emotional learning. How are we going to do that? If they can't answer the question, you might give them a few days to do a Google search or you might spend the time together just finding out what's available. There's free stuff. We love Lavana Roth has courses that you can take right online. Um, and we've interviewed her before on, on our podcast. And she's like, look, these things are free. Just go in and sign up for them. You can find that stuff for people. And a lot of times it doesn't even cost money. Yeah. And it's it's not about, you know, this is where the separation from higher ed, I think, is a is a benefit that higher ed has a specific system and a way of doing things and a time commitment. And you may not need all of those other pieces to go into it. You may not need the whole degree, you just need one little piece to, to get moving in the right direction. I think that's there's wisdom in that. Um, in closing, I'd like to ask you guys my final question, and we'll take turns on it. So the question is, what is the one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader like you two? And uh, TJ, why don't we start with you? I'm going to say this, that we got to get better at praise and lifting the system. Um, So principals, if you want to be a transformational leader, obviously we got to point out the things that need to change, right? The definition of leadership is influence. The challenge of leadership is conflict. The result of leadership is change. And transformational leaders change things. And a lot of times that means that there's conflict and things are uncomfortable and that's okay. We have to be okay with that, that, uh, that discomfort. But here's what I want to say about it is that we also have to lift, we have to praise, and we have to be good at it. And I, there's ways to do it. We, we put a praise model right in the book. People can check it out. But we have to learn to be better at celebrating and praising what is working. Joe and I always say we want to praise people for two very specific reasons. One is taking a risk, trying something new, innovating, um, and going down a different path. And two is for being exceptional. Um, excellence. So we praise for take a risk. We praise for excellence. We could probably come on and do a whole podcast on just lifting and praising with you, Jethro, but I think we need to get better at it for as much as we want to point out our improvements. We got to be able to lift the people at the same time. Very good. Thanks, Joe. It's a wonderful question. I appreciate you saying that I'm a transformative leader, Jethro. (laughs) So we'll start there. You know, something I've really been focused on this year and and I think trying to embrace, you know, SEL isn't just for students 
And with that praise and lift that TJ's described, and I would say SEL is is really critical for educators right now also. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty. You know, just take uh, the, the government's decision recently that, you know, <clears throat> organizations with over 100 employees um, should mandate vaccinations or, you know, there's if you look at education, it says it should get vaccinated. That's in states that are, that's not um, something that's you know um, required right now. I know that's going to cause um, some concern. And so these are the type of things right now schools are dealing with and teachers have, you know, maybe themselves have to step out for a while in quarantine or their students. There's an enormous amount of uncertainty still. So I think schools, if you really want to be transformative, you have to connect with those individuals that need to connect with kids every day and make sure that they're in a good state of mind and state of health. So they're doing their job most effectively. Yeah, I think that's that's really good advice. I want to thank you both for being on and people can check out the Schoolhouse 302 and uh, Retention for a Change, Motivate, Inspire, and Energize Your School Culture. Thank you both for being here today. Thanks for having us, Jethro. Thank you. Hey, middle school principals, what if I told you that all your teachers had to do to teach your students really valuable social and emotional competencies was just press play? In Control SEL is a fully automated video curriculum that teachers and students absolutely love. And that's because it's easy. And it looks just like a Netflix or a YouTube show. So all you have to do to hear about how it can completely transform your school is schedule your call. Tell us Jethro sent you and you'll get 20% off if you feel like it's a good fit. So go now to www.incontrolsel.com slash strategy call to schedule your call today. The link will be in the show notes. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.